Greetings, friends, and welcome back to Catechesis. In Lesson 20, we will be considering Baptist Catechism Question 24, which asks, Who is the Redeemer of God's elect? And before we go further, I should note that Question 24 very naturally flows from Question 23. There we heard good news. The question was, Did God leave all mankind to perish in the estate of sin and misery? Of course, the previous questions before that told us all about our sin and misery. But the answer, again, was good news, God having out of his mere good pleasure from all eternity elected some to everlasting life, did enter into a covenant of grace to deliver them out of the estate of sin and misery and to bring them into an estate of salvation by a Redeemer. Now it is that last little phrase, by a Redeemer, uh, that we are now uh, focusing upon. Uh, The question before us today, question 24, is, well, who is the Redeemer of God's elect? Who is that Redeemer? And the answer is, the only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ, who, being the eternal Son of God, became man, and so was and continueth to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. I actually have my little copy of the Confession and Catechism out before me, the little black book that we do make available at Emmaus, and I think it would be helpful to set your eyes upon and to preview this section that we are now in uh, that runs from question 23 uh, really all the way to question uh, 31. Uh, We might label this question redemption in Christ Jesus, for here we are told all about this Redeemer of God's elect. We know that his name is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We are going to be told about the incarnation. We're going to discuss the offices of Christ, the threefold offices of Christ as prophet, priest, and king, and also his humiliation and exaltation. Uh, It's a wonderful little section that we're in as we fix our eyes upon our Redeemer. But let's focus now only upon question 24, and let's consider it piece by piece. Again, who is the Redeemer of God's elect? The only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ, who, being the eternal Son of God, became man, and so was and continueth to be God and man, in two distinct natures, and one person forever. There's a lot of theology uh, compacted into this one question and answer, and so it's good that we take it piece by piece. Notice the first thing stated is that the only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, When we are talking about a Redeemer, we are talking about a Savior, one who has paid a price so as to free us from bondage. Uh, And what are we in bondage to? Well, you can go back to that bad news section of the Catechism to be reminded of our bondage to sin and to the evil one himself and to death. Here I will quote only Galatians 3.13, which our Catechism lists as a proof text, which says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So here we are taught that a purchase price was paid, uh, namely Christ paid with his life in order to free us from the curse of the law. Uh, We have violated the law of God in thought, word, and deed. We stand guilty, therefore, before God, deserving of his wrath. And Christ has redeemed us from all of that by becoming a curse for us, by dying in our place, by taking upon himself the wrath of God as he was hanged on that cross, on that tree. Notice also that 
our catechism says that Christ is the redeemer of God's elect. This is true. Christ laid his life down for his sheep. He laid his life down for those given to him by the Father in eternity past. He shed his blood for his bride, that is to say, uh, the church, as Ephesians 5 uh, mentions. And so it is right for us to think that Christ is the redeemer only of the elect and not for those who are non-elect, not for those who will persist in their unbelief and who will one day uh, pay for their own sins. He is the redeemer of God's elect, and our catechism is also clear that he is the only one. He is the only redeemer of God's elect. First uh, Timothy 2.5 says very clearly, and this too is mentioned as a proof text in our uh, catechism, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The meaning is this, there are not many saviors or many redeemers. Uh, there are not many ways to God, but only one way, and that is through faith in Christ Jesus, who is the only mediator between God and men. He is the only way. He is the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Um, he is the Savior that God himself has provided for us, and so we must be found in him course. But then we are told more. Uh, something is said to us concerning who this Jesus Christ was and is. And here our catechism says that he, being the eternal Son of God, became man. Uh, what is meant by this, except for that uh, the person of Christ uh, is, in fact, the second person of the triune God from all eternity. He was and is the eternal Son of God, and then became flesh, just as John 1, 1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so here we are informed that the Word, who later we will learn is clearly a reference to Jesus Christ, uh, was with God in the beginning, even before the world was created. He was with God, and he in fact was God. And he is God. He continues to be. So he is the eternal Son of God. And then again, our catechism says uh, that he became man. He became man. And this is what John 1 also teaches in verse 14, where we read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now these are only... Uh, isolated proof text that I'm here bringing before you, and for the sake of time, I will not list more. Uh, but I think it is uh, safe to say that the New Testament is very clear about this, that uh, Jesus Christ is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Uh, he is the eternal Son of God come in the flesh. He is the eternal Son of God in human form. He tabernacled amongst us. Uh, this is what the church has confessed since the earliest days of the church, for it is biblical truth. And then we read these words, and so was and continueth to be God and man. So here in the one person Christ, uh, we see the God man. Uh, he was and continueth to be God and man. Uh, this might uh, be surprising to you that he continues to be God and man. And 1 Timothy 3.16 does speak to this, saying, Great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He, Christ, was 
manifest in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. So this Jesus Christ, who is both God and man, was in fact taken up in glory. He continues to be the God-man. He continues to exist in two distinct natures, united in one person, as our catechism goes on to say. And here Romans 9.5 is listed. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. That's a very bold statement being made there by Paul in Romans 9.5. We're talking about Jesus Christ, and the statement is made, He is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So uh, we see that in this one person, Jesus Christ, there are two uh, distinct natures both the divine and the human, united in one person. And then our catechism ends with this word, forever. He will ever for be this, uh, the God-man. Colossians 2.9 is listed, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Notice that Paul is here, when writing to the Colossians, speaking in the present tense, For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That is a present reality, even after the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ to the Father. Uh, In him, in the person of Christ, the whole fullness of deity continues to dwell bodily. Uh, Bodily there being a reference to uh, the human uh, nature of Christ that he assumed. Uh, This is very important to, to recognize as we will learn as we continue on in the catechism and as uh, is so beautifully uh, spelled out in our confession, it had to be this way. Uh, No mere man could have atoned for the sins of others, for all men are in sin and are deserving of God's wrath. Um, It was necessary uh, that God himself uh, acted uh, on our behalf to redeem us from our sins. And so it was necessary that the Christ be God himself, be divine. And yet at the same time, in order to redeem humanity, it was also necessary that the Christ be in fact human so that uh, this Christ could live in our place, uh, could obey the law on our behalf, uh, die in our stead, uh, stand in the gap for us as humans. Uh, It was necessary that the Christ be human in order to redeem uh, humanity. And so, as I said, there is a whole lot of theology packed into this uh, one little question and answer here in question 24 as we begin to consider uh, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, and to answer the question, well, who is he? Uh, We know his name. Uh, We know that he is the eternal Son of God, become man, And he continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. Amen. Let us reflect deeply upon these truths. Let us teach them to our children. Let us continue to study the word of God so that these things become ever clear to us. And may we continue to grow in our appreciation for God's marvelous grace shown to us in Christ Jesus. Until next time, brothers and sisters, abide in him.